0: Welcome to Episode 17 of Revelation, an Idealist Interpretation. I'm Father Ron Shibley, founder and director of the Anglican Internet Church and producer of this series. If you have not already viewed Episode 2, which includes my primer on numerology in Revelation, I urge you to do so, since understanding how John used numerology is critical to understanding Revelation and this series. In this episode, the focus is on chapter 12, in which St. John, acting like a stage producer, introduces a major disruption in his narrative with the first of three chapters on the celestial and spiritual war between God and Satan. Last time, in episode 16, I pointed out that Eastern Church scholars consider Revelation Eleven Fifteen as the turning point. In Revelation. The Roman Catholic scholars who prepared the original Catholic Encyclopedia in the early uh, 20th century call the remaining chapters in Revelation the divine drama and divided into five acts. Act 1 is chapters 12, 13, and 14. Act 2 is chapters 15 and 16. Act 3 is chapters 17 and 18, Act 4 being chapters 19 and 20, Act 5 is chapters 21, and chapter 22 verses 1 to 17. Chapter 22, 18 to 21 is treated as an epilogue to the whole book of Revelation. In the remaining episodes in this series, I will elaborate on this divine drama theme as it plays out in Revelation. The illustration is from Folio 29 in the Bamberg Apocalypse, a richly illuminated manuscript of Revelation, plus a gospel lectionary from the early 11th century in Germany. Before I begin with the first reading from chapter 12, I offer a primer on the scriptural origin of the Christian understanding about God and Satan and the conflict that has existed since creation. After Adam and Eve had disobeyed God by eating the fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, in Genesis 3.15, God speaks in paradise of the punishment for both Adam and Eve and the serpent Satan who seduced Eve into sin, saying, And I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your seed and her seed, he shall bruise, bruise your heel head and you shall bruise his heel. The serpent's punishment in Genesis 3.14 is to crawl legless in the dust. Adam and Eve are given clothes and expelled from paradise, putting a cherubim at the gate to prevent their re-entry in Genesis 3.21-24. to 24. An excellent artistic depiction of Genesis 3.15 is a detail from the stained glass window number 6 by Franz Mayer of Munich at St. Joseph's Villa Chapel, Richmond, Virginia, from the AIC bookstore publication Paintings on Light, the Stained Glass Windows of St. Joseph's Villa Chapel, available from Amazon.com right slash author right slash Ronald hyphen E hyphen Shibley. Under the heel of the Blessed Virgin, Mary, who stands in a blue aura, representing the glory of the Lord, is the head of the serpent. From the beginning of Christianity, the serpent has been associated with Satan, the personal name of the devil, from the Hebrew, Ha-Satan, meaning adversary, which is used 36 times in the King James Version. Eastern Orthodox Church lay theologian George Crunk explains in his book The Message of the Bible in 1982 that Satan, who was originally intended to be a guardian angel of Earth, was hurled to Earth long ago and allowed to walk on Earth. For more, see the Satan entry on pages 98 to 102 in the AIC bookstore publication *Layman's Lexicon, available from Amazon.com at the address. Shown on the slide, Kronk's comments about Satan are supported by Job one six and seven. The opening verses of Satan's conversation with God in job six job one six to twelve. Now there was a day when the sons of man came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan came also came along among them. And the Lord said to Satan, From where do you come? So Satan answered the Lord and said, From walking to and fro on the earth, and from walking back and forth on it. The illustration is an egg-temperer painting, Job and His Daughters, by William Blake, circa 1800. Additional support for this view is found in Ezekiel 28, verses 14 and 15, which on its face is an historical account of the fall of the king of Tyre. You were the anointed cherub who covers. I established you. You were on the holy mountain of God. You walked back and forth in the midst of fiery stones. You were perfect in your ways from the day you were created, till iniquity was found in you. The illustration is an early 18th century Russian Orthodox icon of Ezekiel in the monastery at Kiji in the Karelia region of Russia. Two New Testament precedents for traditional views on Satan or the devil and his actions in the world are St. Paul's description of Satan as, quote, the God of this age, who blinds the faithful to his true purpose and lures them into sin, from 2 Corinthians 4, verse 4. And St. Peter's warning, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour. From 1 Peter 5, verse 8. Which is used in the Compline office in the AIC bookstore publication, Occasional Services for Anglican Worship. The illustrations are Andrei Rubyov's unfinished 15th century icon of St. Paul and a 6th century mosaic of St. Peter from the Hagia Sophia in Constantinople, now Istanbul. I have divided the reading of chapter 12 into three parts, the first of which is verses 1 through 6. Now a great sign appeared in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, and on her head a garland of twelve stars. Then, being with child, she cried out in labor and in pain to give birth. And another sign appeared in heaven. Behold, a great fiery red dragon, having seven heads and ten horns, and seven diadems on its head's. His tail drew a third of the stars of heaven and threw them to earth. And the dragon stood before the woman who was ready to give birth to devour her child as soon as it was born. She bore a male child who was to rule all nations with a rod of iron. And her child was caught up to God and his throne. Then the woman fled into the wilderness where she has a place prepared by God that they should feed her there one thousand two hundred and sixty days. Just as there were three woes in Revelation eight thirteen, three three colors of breastplates on the riders in Revelation 9.16-19, three plagues by which they kill in Revelation 9.18-20, and three characters in the conversation in Revelation 10, verses 8 to 14. In chapter 12, 1 to 6, there are three signs in heaven. The first in verses 1 and 2 is the woman clothed with the sun, with a garland of twelve stars around her head and the moon under her feet. In Revelation 1, verse 16, John said, Of the one like the Son of Man, that his countenance was like the sun, shining in its strength. In the early church, it was believed that she is the Blessed Virgin Mary, and a symbol of the church universal. It was the Blessed Virgin who was granted the title Theotokos, literally God-bearer, but more commonly translated as Mother of God, at the Third Ecumenical Council at Ephesus in 431 A.D. In Revelation 1, the phrase, moon under her feet, suggests her superiority over all others, consistent with the praise offered by her cousin Elizabeth in Luke one forty-two: blessed are you among women. The symbolic magical number 12 appears for the second time. The first was in the sealing of the tribes of Israel in chapter 7 in the garland of 12 stars around her head in verse 1. These may be either the apostles or the tribes of Israel as in chapter 7. That the woman is to give birth in painful labor in verse 2 reflects God's punishment for the disobedience of Eve announced in Genesis 3:16 to the woman he said i will multiply your sorrow and your conception in pain shall you bring forth children the second sign in heaven comes in verse 3 with the appearance of the fiery red dragon with seven heads each with a diadem and 10 horns As John himself indicates later in verse 9, the fiery red dragon is Satan. It is ready to devour the child as soon as it is born in verse 4b. The ten horns are an allusion to the Hebrew concept of the Messiah as a warrior lamb with horns with which to do battle with the Roman Empire. For more, see episode 10, Revelation 4, verse 6, the Lamb before the 24 elders. St. John gives Satan, the false Messiah, and parody of Christ the similar horns. With its great tail, it hurls one-third of the stars to earth, in verse 4. John here reflects the early church belief, as noted earlier, that Satan took one-third of the angels of heaven with him to earth when he rebelled against God. The hurling of the stars may be a preview of the war in heaven which is coming in Revelation 12, verses 7 to 12. The third sign in heaven is revealed in verse 5 with the first mention of the male child who is destined to, quote, rule all nations with a rod of iron. The Old Testament precedent also used in Revelation 2:26 and 27 in the letter to the church at Thyatira and discussed in episode 6 is Psalm 2, verse 9. Thou shalt bruise them with a rod of iron and break them in pieces like a potter's vessel. The phrase suggests that the child will mete out divine justice. The 11th century artists who painted the illumination for Folio 29 in the Bamberg Apocalypse left no doubt that the child in the woman's left hand is a male. The phrase caught up to God in his throne in verse 5b refers to Jesus' salvational ministry on earth, including his life, his teachings, and culminating in his death resurrection, and ascension to the Father. In verse 6, the woman flees to safety in the wilderness, quote, in a place prepared by God, where she is protected for 1,260 days. This is the second use so far in Revelation of the mystical number 1,260. As I noted in the primer on Revelation in episode 2, this is the same period of time as three and one-half years, or 42 months. It is meant to suggest that this was temporary, or in modern terms, bad, but not as bad as it might have been, and that there would be relief. Some have seen this as an allusion to the flight to safety in Egypt reported in Matthew two, thirteen and 14. The second reading from chapter 12 is verses 7 through 12. The illustration is from folio 30. St. Michael fights the dragon from the Bamberg Apocalypse. And war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought with the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought, but they did not prevail, nor was a place found for them in heaven any longer. So the great dragon was cast out, that serpent of old called the devil and Satan, who deceives the whole world. He was cast to the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. Then I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ have come. For the accuser of our brethren, who accused them before our God day and night, has been cast down. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb, and by the word of their testimony, and they did not love their lives to the death. Therefore rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and the sea. For the devil has come down to you, having great wrath, because he knows that he has a short time. The war in heaven begins in verse 7 with the archangel Michael and his angels fighting the dragon, who is identified at last by name in verse 9 as the cast-out angel Satan, also called the devil, who is labeled the deceiver of the world. A New Testament precedent for the punishment of disobedient angels is Second Peter 2 verse 4, For if God did not spare his angels when they sinned, but cast them into hell and committed them to chains of gloomy darkness to be kept until the judgment. St. Jude affirmed the same understanding concerning rebellious angels in Jude, verses 6 and 7, comparing their fate to that of Sodom and Gomorrah. A similar war between obedient and disobedient angels is described in Enoch, chapters 6 through 10, and in which the archangels Michael and Raphael fight on the side of the Lord God. The book of Enoch includes dramatic language, images, and detail quite similar to those John incorporated into Revelation. The text of Enoch in modern language, translated by R. H. Childs, is available online at www.wesleycenteronline.org. St. John's account in Revelation may have been one of the reasons St. Michael is considered the guardian angel of the church. Satan, in <clears throat> Satan in verse 10, is the persecutor of the church, or, quote, accuser of our brethren. The illustration of St. Michael the archangel is a gold and enamel figure from the Basilica of St. Mark, Venice, built in the 9th century with later embellishments and adornments. The casting out of Satan from heaven, referred to by St. Peter and St. Jude, quoted earlier, is usually thought to have occurred before the creation, but St. John uses it here in the time just before the final judgment, perhaps as a symbol of a final casting out. Another loud voice from heaven in verses 10 and 11 announces the defeat of Satan From the context of the third person message, the voice is that of an angel. The angel refers to salvation, strength, the kingdom of our God, and the power of his Christ. The deceiver and persecutor of the brethren, whose efforts went on day and night and has been overturned and cast down to earth by means of three causes, the blood of the Lamb, meaning the propitiatory death of Christ upon the cross the word of their testimony meaning their faithful witness to the beliefs of the gospel message and because they did not love their lives to the death in verse 11 which means that they were willing to do battle with Satan even at the risk of death in verse 12, St. John's narrative voice calls for rejoicing in heaven and issues a warning of coming woe to the inhabitants of earth and the sea. The coming woe refers to Satan's own words in his conversation with God in Job 1 verse 7 that he walks to and fro on the earth. St. John warns that Satan's wrath will be greater because he, quote, knows that he has a short time, unquote. The phrase a short time comes from two Greek words, oligos kairos. It means a discreet but short time that is measured on the vast scale of God's time. For more on how Jesus used the same term in St. John's Gospel, watch episode 43 in the New Testament Gospels and Epistles series. In this context, a short time refers to the period immediately before the final judgment. The third and final reading from chapter 12 is verses 13 to 17. The illustration is the dragon pursuing the woman in the wilderness from folio 31 of the Bamberg Apocalypse. Now when the dragon saw that he had been cast to earth, he persecuted the woman who gave birth to the male child. But the woman was given two wings of a great eagle that she might fly into the wilderness to her place where she is nourished for a time and times and half a time from the presence of the serpent. So the serpent spewed water out of his mouth like a flood after the woman that he might cause her to be carried away by the flood. But the earth helped the woman, and the earth opened its mouth and swallowed up the flood which the dragon had spewed out of his mouth. And the dragon was enraged with the woman, and he went to make war with the rest of her offspring, who keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. Once again, as in verses 13 to 17, St. John uses allusions to Old Testament stories which would have been very familiar to Jews of his time, but which modern readers are generally not familiar. In verses 13 and 14, the dragon who has been cast to earth persecutes the woman who gave birth to the male child, but the woman escapes on, quote, two wings of a great eagle, An allusion to the flight from Egypt in Exodus 19, verse 4, You have seen what I did to the Egyptians, how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Isaiah used a similar image in Isaiah 40, verse 31, But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount out up with wings like eagles'. The New Testament parallel is Matthew two thirteen to 15 the account of the flight of Joseph, Mary, and the infant Jesus to safety in Egypt to protect them against Herod's order to murder children under the age of two. The death of the children is commemorated in the church in the Feast of the Holy Innocents on December 28th. In verse 14, the woman who bore the male child is able to hide for a time and times and half a time. This allusion to Daniel 7 verse 25 and Daniel 12 verse 7 has the same meaning as 1,260 days as I discussed in the primer on numerology in episode 2 and in earlier commentary in this episode on Revelation twelve six, and in Revelation eleven three, 3, which I discussed in episode 16. The earth swallowing the water which the serpent spewed out of his mouth in verses 15 and 16 is another Old Testament allusion this time to the Red Sea opening during the flight from Egypt, described in Exodus 14. The same event is recalled in the New Testament in Hebrews 11.29. By faith they passed through the Red Sea as dry land, whereas the Egyptians, attempting to do so, drowned. In the final verse, verse 17, the dragon, unable to drown the woman and kill the child, turns his wrath upon the woman's other offspring who keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. The woman's offspring are the family of God, which is the church universal, whose members have chosen to keep God's commandments. The testimony of Jesus Christ is the gospel message taught by Christ. In Ephesians 2, verse 19a, Part of a longer discourse, which was quoted in episode 16, regarding St. John's reference to a temple in Revelation 11, verses 1 and 2, St. Paul wrote, Now, therefore, you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Next time, in episode 18, the focus is on chapter 13, in which spiritual warfare is conducted by the beast with seven heads, ten horns, and a blasphemous name. Thank you for joining me for episode 17 on Revelation and Idealist Interpretation. This internet ministry is entirely supported by public contributions and book sales. You can help by making a donation in any amount payable to the Anglican Internet Church and sending it to our business office address, 7162 Softwin Lane, Mechanicsville, Virginia, 23111. Or, you can purchase any of our books through my author page at amazon.com author slash ronald-e-shibley. Just as a reminder, 100% of all book royalties are donated to the Anglican Internet Church. Or you can like us and subscribe to our podcast at our Podbean site, which hosts our extensive collection of hundreds of MP3 podcasts on a variety of topics. While you're at our YouTube page, I invite you to join our Google Plus Circle by clicking the subscribe button. As a Google Plus member, you'll receive notice of each new video. Our new URL address is www.youtube.com/slash C/saint John C with Saint spelled out. Or you can follow us and like us on the AIC Facebook page, either using the full address on the screen or the link on the home page at our website, www.anglicaninternetchurch.net, then bookmarking the page for easy return. Or you can read and subscribe to my weekly blog posts at anglicaninternetchurch.wordpress.com. Finally, you can request to receive the weekly update, a weekly email, with the latest news and links to the most recent videos, podcasts, blog posts, and publications. Send your request to me at anglican at earthlink.net. The names and addresses of all recipients of the weekly update are blocked to, pre- to, to protect your privacy. You can remove your name at any time simply by sending another email request. And we do not share the email addresses with any other Anglican entity. If you'd like to speak with me personally about this program or any other subject, please call 804-559-2690. The best times are 9 a.m. to 4 p.m. Monday through Friday Eastern Time. If you do not reach me, please leave your name, a message, and a callback number. Until next time, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be merciful to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen. This program has been a presentation of the Anglican Internet Church. We invite you to visit our website, And use its resources www.anglicaninternetchurch.net